Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Haggerty Inside Track, uh, Watkins Glen edition. My name's John Hindall from IMSA Radio and Radio Show Limited. Thanks for joining us this Tuesday afternoon, evening, or wherever you are around the world. We have a star-studded panel for you today, and we've even managed to squeeze five people into the Brady Bunch house, with not, which normally only has four of us in it as well. You'll see what I mean in just a moment. Uh, first of all, from uh, the uh, from Michelin Motorsport, Tom Sullivan joins us. Hello, Tom. How are you? I'm very well, John. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to have your company. Uh, up at Pikes Peak at the weekend, now back at sea level and back in the UK from Progressive and Champion Porsche, uh, the undoubted star of Truth in 24, Howden Haynes. Hello, Howden. Hiya, you're good. I'm very well, sir. Oh, I like your office. That's very nice. <laughs> very nice indeed. We can talk about some of that memorabilia a little bit later on. And here's our twofer from uh, Hyundai and Brian Hurt at Autosport, Mark Wilkins and Michael Lewis. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, how are you? How are you guys? Good to have your company. Uh, mixed weekend in terms of fortune for those two in the Michelin Pilot Challenge, which we'll get onto in a moment. You can submit your questions either on the side of the stream or use uh, uh, that hashtag uh, Haggerty Inside Track. Send that to uh, at IMSA Radio or at RSL underscore studio on Twitter. The responsible adult, Eve Hewitt, is looking after all of that. Uh, we'll Start, I, I think, with, uh, if you don't mind, we'll start with Tom from uh, Michelin Motorsport. Uh, Tom, a, a busy time for you guys. Um, as always, this end of the season seems to be very compact for IMSA. No difference this year, uh, given the extraordinary circumstances. Um, how do you feel the Michelin involvement with IMSA has, uh, has developed over the last couple of seasons t- since you t- took on the haul of the Michelin paddock? Yeah, so it's been a tremendous opportunity for us, really, um, to be able to work with all the different competitors in the paddock and all the different uh, various series and classes. Um, you know, honestly, you know, 2019, we hit it running, right? Uh, there was over 90 records that were set on Michelin tires in that year. Um, and then last year, we all know what happened, right? It was it was a fractured schedule. It was an opportunity to be at new locations, but it was also an opportunity, you know, we didn't get to go everywhere we anticipate going. For instance, we weren't at Watkins Glen last year. So um, there was a lot of scrambling going on last year to try to make sure we had the right tires for the right track at, during the right time of year. Um, when you go to Daytona in July, it's quite different than going to Daytona in the early part of the year. So um, our engineers um, are, are fantastic, and, and they knew exactly what we needed to do. And most of all, and I know my, my boss, Tony Menard, has told this uh, before, um, the, the greatest thing about what we were able to do last year and into this year was um, work with our group in France and then engineering folks over there to prioritize IMSA, prioritize the tires that we needed for this series. When we have other a lot of other series going on, um, you know, the same factories that make our MotoGP tires and yeah. our WEC series tires make our IMSA tires as well. But um, we prioritize these to make sure we were ready to roll last year and well into this year. So, um what we're so happy about right now, and I think uh, the, the guys on the line will agree, is 
uh, this past weekend at Watkins Glen to see the fans and see them up close and personal. And the amount of uh, fans that were on the gridwalk was just absolutely fantastic. So we're so happy to be back in somewhat of a normal environment. How important is it for you as the tyre supplier to bring a product to all of the categories in IMSA, particularly in these longer races, because it was a four-hour race for Michelin Pilot Challenge. It was a six hours for the six hours of sale and six hours at the Glen, obviously. What you don't want to do is be the story, actually. The story should be we don't talk about Michelin tyres at all, and neither should the teams have to worry about it. They, they shouldn't have to build their strategy around tyres working or not working. They just kind of want to rely on, you know, bang them on at each corner, send the drivers off they go. Obviously, saving sets and pressures and stuff like that, that that's a different, different matter, but... It's fast, it's really grippy, and it was 115 Fahrenheit, well into the mid-30s, high-30s Celsius at the weekends. So how important is that you you can get that reliability so that people, in some respects, don't have to think about the tyres? That's exactly what we're looking to do, right? We do our hard work prior to to make sure we have all the data and the the right allocations for the team so that they can do exactly that. They can think about fuel strategy and driver strategy and they'll know the tires will be there when they need them. So, uh, you know, to be able to be uh, the, the tire provider for the multiple classes that we have, from confidential to semi-confidential to customer tires, that people that race on the weekend instead of going golfing can go and buy as well, um, it's important for us. And we learn something from each and every class. This year, we also have the, the Porsche Carrera Cup that was also up there. We didn't have that in the past. So um, incredibly excited about all the opportunity. And again, if, if they don't have to think about the tires, that's better for us. I'll, I'll come back to you because we're already getting some questions about some of those specific uh, areas. I'll come back to you on that, Tom, if you don't mind. Howden, uh, first question to, <coughs> to you from those watching. What's the trophy on the uh, the radiator cover in the background? It, it looks like, is that a copy of the tourist trophy that you've got in the background? No, no, it's um, the Rolls-Royce Spirit of Ecstasy. Right, that must have been a hell of a sized Rolls Royce that you got that off. Yeah, there. yeah. How have you got that then, and what's the story there? Um, I was involved with the Rolls Royce um, Sweptail with Velox, and um, I happened to find that around the same time in a in a auction in a antique shop, and I thought, hang on a minute, I know what that is, and uh, well, tried picking it up and bringing it home. So, not one bought, I'm afraid. Okay, fine, fine. Uh, you were at Pike Peak, as we mentioned at the weekend, working with Mitra Mirage uh, and the rest of the guys at Champion Porsche. Uh, extraordinarily, the first time that you've had a Champion or a Porsche shirt on. Very different event, Pike's Peak, from what you're used to. They, they don't come around every so often, just up to the top and then wait. What was it like? extremely unique um i think from i mean i worked with champion back in 2004 and then six seven and eight we all worked together on the audi le mans cars um and i think there was a couple of guys on the team that had done pike's peak before but for the majority of us this was first time totally brand new and um uh, it's yeah extremely unique where's the challenge then you you took a, a a street based car which was by yeah. no means street stock by the time it got there where where were the ch- where were the challenges uh, for you as an engineer on that and and what you know set your juices flowing about the whole project i think i mean 
The main thing is the altitude change. Um, so, you know, that creates a lot of issues with engine power, aerodynamics, tire pressures. You know, the whole thing is just uh, different each day because, you know, you test you test one day from the start line and then you go up to the middle section, then you go up to the top section. Uh, and there's quite a temperature change through all three of those. Um you know, from the get-go, you're losing a massive percentage of engine yeah. power up the hill. Um, and the same, you know, with um, aero and ride heights as well. You know, the, the further you go up, the thinner the air, the less downforce you've got. Um, I mean, so there's a lot of technical uh, problems to overcome there, things to get a grip of. Um, you've then got the, the kind of rally stage top section. Um, so, you know, it's quite smooth, the first, you know, three quarters of the hill. And then the last bit's... Um, huge bumps mm. um and then the kind of next problem you've got is just the event timing you know because it's a national park um they only close the hill for the for the race day um so you're testing um from the minute you get there i mean the gates open to the hill at three o'clock in the morning so you're already up at two in the morning to get to get in um you run on track testing or qualifying depending on what day it is um, you're running there from 5.30 in the morning um, until 8.30. Then you've got to get off the hill, all your kit, pack it down, car back in the truck by 9 o'clock, get out. And then normally we were going off testing to a local track. Um, and, you know, then you've got your prep work. So it's pretty long days. Um, I think we were running on about three hours a day sleep. Um, and then you're back up again at 2 o'clock in the morning and repeating and then race day you know you're up at one o'clock in the morning yeah. um so that adds another element which is pretty brutal how did you get on never mind the car how did you get on with the altitude and i, I used I, when i went there in, in 18 i'm i'm not good with heights and it petrified <laughs> me actually driving yeah. down i found scarier than driving up when i went up there in the in the higher yeah. car how did you get on with the altitude I was fine. Um, we had a couple of guys on the team that got affected in one of the, the one of the test days. Um, I mean, you know, we take oxygen with us. Um, it was, yeah, it's, it's, you've got to slow down, you know, everything's done at a slow pace. I mean, I was trying to lift a, well, set of the Michelin tires out of the back of the pickup truck in a bit of a hurry. And you, you know, you like, Whoa, hang on a minute. That was a bit too quick. I'll, uh, I'll take a seat and we'll calm down and go again. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, you've got to slow everything down, uh, and then it's not too bad, but yeah, from us sea level folk, it's, um, certainly a bit of a shock to the system. Can't get much more sea level than the guys at champion Porsche from Pompano beach in, in Florida. Uh, let's get to, uh, Hyundai, uh, Brian Herter, Autosport drivers, Mark Wilkins and Michael uh, Lewis. Mark, what did you do wrong at the weekend? Did you walk under a ladder carrying a black cat that you then threw into a mirror and broke it? Cause you had no luck whatsoever, uh, at the, at the weekend in, uh, in the Elantra. Yeah, you know, our, our Elantra NTCR has been uh, really great. And, and as you said, um, we just needed a little bit of luck on our side. So we showed some great pace. And obviously, our sister car did really well uh, to finish second. So, that, uh, you know, two podiums for them, um, which is just a great result for the all-new Elantra NTCR. And for us, we have to just wait a little bit longer and, and keep digging and, you know, just keep our heads up and stay focused. 
what's it been like being with this programme, uh, Mark, if you, if you don't mind me asking? Because we're now on our third iteration of, of Hyundai TCR in IMSA. Um, we had the hatchback to start with, then the Veloster. Now the Elantra, which is ostensibly a different car. It looks quite a bit, bit different. Do they all have their own characters? Absolutely. I mean, the i30N TCR and the Veloster were, were fairly similar. Um, and as you alluded to, the Elantra with a little bit longer wheelbase tends to drive a little bit different. Um, but, you know, it's the latest uh, iteration of, of um, TCR cars from Hyundai. And uh, I'd say it's the most refined uh, and the most polished. Um, and also, I think, you know, maybe I'm a bit biased, but I also think it's a, a little bit quicker. Um, but, you know, that's just development. Um, you know, great development from the folks uh, at Hyundai Motorsport in Germany. Um, and of course, the car is out uh, running more globally. So there's more yeah. of them out there. And it's it's very new. And it's a, it's a wonderful product for Hyundai. And of course, we're all excited for the, the road car version of the Elantra, which will be the N uh, coming out later this year. I have to say, I've, I've driven the i30N Fastback, which I know is not the same car, the street car, I took it to Spa, and it's a phenomenal piece of kit. What, 270 brake, uh, sounds like a proper little rally car. It's fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed it, six-speed uh, manual. M- Michael, you're, you're still in the, the Veloster at the moment and, and bagged, a, uh, bagged a podium at the weekend and managed to get our Michelin moment of the race in, in TCR, proving that... Uh, blue flags are purely advisory. Talk us, talk us through that, 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 what, 20 minutes, maybe a bit more, when you were fighting to keep the leaders behind you and stay on the, on the lead lap. First of all, your teammate, and, and then those two very rapid Honda Civic uh, FK7s. Yes, thanks, John. Thanks uh, for having us, and it's really cool to be with all you guys here, um, and, yeah, big fans of motorsport. But, yeah, you know, if you know endurance racing, I'm sure H, you know, is really... Uh, familiar with that you have to you know kind of fight for everything because uh, you know sometimes things will play out in your favor later so you got to try to make it happen uh, so in particular on yeah that stand of like 20 laps um, my engineer was like hey we're not going to get a break with the yellows um, to you know get our lap back so you're gonna have to do it on track to get the lead so I, I basically drove as hard as I could like it was the last lap for 20 laps just to stay you know on the lead lap and you know I was nice to my teammate but I was you know not giving any anything more than what I did. So it, I guess it was a pretty good show. It was pretty stressful in there. And I was like, man, this is pretty tough uh, with, you know, those 20 laps. And I said, I could probably only hold these guys off for one more lap and had a lot of luck. And all of a sudden the yellow came out, you know, on that last lap where I thought I couldn't hold them off anymore. So uh, it made for a pretty good show. Appreciate, you know, every, everybody watching and all the fans for maybe suggesting that was like the, the moment of the race. So it was a pretty good time. You were awesome through the inner loop. I mean, that's made for touring cars. Those curbs are, are quite flat, but you were nailing those curbs and your exit speed from there, even if you got passed into it, that's where you were making it up on the way out, particularly with your teammate, actually. Uh, it, it was a heck of a battle to watch. I, I, I daren't ask if it was enjoyable for you. You said it was, was stressful, but my goodness, it was fun for us to watch. Yeah, at- it, it was hard, stressful racing, but it was really fun. I mean, uh, Ryan Norman, my teammate in the Elantra N, you know, put up a good battle, even the Honda behind. And, uh, you know, those Michelin tires are really solid and I could trust them, you know, even if they're a little bit older and I could, you know, clobber all the curves and, uh, you know, do like over-unders all over the place. So it was, it was you know, I get stressful, but as a hardcore racing, you know, fan myself and driver, I mean, Mark would have enjoyed it too. We were just going over-under every corner, uh, just trying to stay on the lead lap. So uh, it was a good time, but... Uh, 
hopefully you don't have to be you know in that predicament we can try to make it happen just from the pool or something in the future <laughs> well and the reason you had to do that is that your teammate uh, was rather ushered off the 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 track taylor hagler ended up in the uh turn 10 gravel at one stage but but managed just to get out and stay on the the end of the the, the lead lap at, at that point many of us would have thought race race is over uh to be honest but proof as we saw at the weekend, you, you can't afford to give up, particularly in these slightly longer Michelin Pilot Challenge races. No, that's right. Taylor did a great job. I mean, she, you know, unfortunately had uh, some unfortunate things happen there, and uh, she did her job just to keep with the pack. And we actually were in position to get a lap back earlier with IMSA. You can do wave rounds and things like that, but just some luck didn't fall our way. So uh, she, you know, did the best that she could, and uh, we could make it happen there and have some exciting racing. So it was a good time. Uh, and as I say, you won the Michelin moment of the race in the TCR <laughs> class, so brand new set of tyres going uh, to the team. <laughs> Yay, absolutely. Um, it's it's money that, you, that the team don't have to spend on the bottom lines. I mean, you, you guys are, aren't short of funds, but but for some teams, and we've we've had some smaller teams winning, um, what does that mean for you, for you guys at the weekend, and what does that mean up and down the paddock that Michelin are, are, are supporting you guys like that with a little bit of help? No, it's great. I mean, Michelin's just a great, uh, great partner and, uh, you know, have, have fantastic tires, tires for us, uh, both on track and on the road. I mean, we actually had some fun last year in the Veloster end, how we ran the tail of the dragon, uh, with some Michelin, uh, all season fours and they were awesome. Uh, we just had a great time. So the, just the level of support for the competitors in the paddock is great. Um, you know, I, Michael, uh, having that, uh, that moment and winning that set is, is, is always helpful. And, you know, we're always pushing for that. So we appreciate that support that we get from Michelin uh, week in and week out. Sadly, it doesn't mean you get an extra set for the race weekend. You get a free set. Maybe we need to talk to IMSA about that, about actually letting you have an extra set over the race weekend. That that might be tactically even even better for you. Tom, I'll come back to you on that because the, the TCR category, um, you guys have worked really hard on the TCR tyre because th- there has been a development uh, a development story with that, with the the information that you got in 2018 and 2019. These front wheel drive cars are, are pretty hard on the front tires. Yeah, they certainly are. And you know, we talked a little bit before. Is one of the wonderful locations to go to is Watkins Glen. I mean, it's picturesque, it's wonderful, but man, is it hard on tires? I mean, our engineers work really, really hard. The temperatures go up. The really tight corners. And, you know, the, the gentlemen at, the, at, at Hyundai are being very kind because a couple of years ago, I know we, we had some learning, I could say. And what was great about what we did is, you know, Robbie Holly and the group over at, at our engineering, they, they listened to every team. They listened to everybody and, and gave us some, some feedback. And, you know, we realized that we could do something, uh, minor changes to that tire and, and bring it back. And we were excited to bring it back last year. We didn't get a chance to try it at, uh, at Watkins Glen, but we did so at other very uh, high load tracks like uh, Michelin Raceway, Road Atlanta, and performed very well. So we thought we had a real nice solution for them, and I'm glad to see that it uh, that it was one of those things they didn't have to think about this year. And I'm I'm hopeful that it uh, that it performed well. And it was really interesting because when we did the development, um, we did so with a number of uh, drivers and teams, and one of them, uh, Mr. Ryan Eversley, was one of those folks that uh, were with us and and testing that tire and gave us a lot of very pointed feedback as you imagine he would um but we took that to heart and and you know he ended up on the podium and if you may have seen first person first person he hugged was uh robbie robbie holly one of our engineers there so 
that that means a lot to us that we can work closely with the teams on that. Well, that's why you race, isn't it? To learn. Absolutely. Race to learn, race to be able to provide these guys uh, the kind of equipment they need to, to run the fun races that they do. I mean, Michelin Pilot Challenge has been such a fun series to, to watch and be a part of. I mean, I, I wish I could be out there doing it, but I don't have the skills that these guys do. So I just love to be able to talk about it, love to be able to work with our team to be able to provide those tires. The, the TCR cars in particular are all a, a similar platform because they all have to be front wheel drive they have the same power output they're roughly developing their performance in similar ways different aero shapes perhaps there's a far greater variety of machinery in the gs class in michelin pilot challenge gt4 is a global formula and you have engines all over the place uh, literally front middle and rear the cars make their lap times in very different ways but they're all using the same tyre. In some ways, is that a bigger challenge to make sure that nobody's got a quote-unquote advantage because they run a particular configuration of car? Yeah, it's it's really, the, as you mentioned, same tyre, same compound, same construction, but the sizing may be different, uh, split fitments or whatever it might be. So we have uh, six or seven different sizes available for that class. So it's really more about that and what works for them. And the allocations are completely the same as you would imagine, but construction and, and uh, um, compounding is, is precisely the same for that group, but it, it does provide a different challenge. I mean, uh, you know, different teams run different air pressures and we're always constantly working with those folks to, uh, you know, kind of educate and let them know that these are the, these are the ones that Michelin recommends. We understand that there's some variances in there for certain times of the race and certain needs. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's worked out really well. And it, mostly it's the relationships. If we have a tight relationships with the teams uh, and they want to work with us and we want to work with them, it, it produces some great racing. Uh, and you mentioned Porsche and Porsche Carrera Cup North America, new for 2021 right. with the, the 992 Cup car. Uh, Michelin on board with that. that you weren't at Watkins Glen uh, last year with, with that championship right. because you weren't with that championship. A brand new car. Brand new specification of car. It's super quick. It's nearly GT3 quick. So I know that it's a it's a tire that Michelin use for Carrera Cup and Super Cup uh, around the world. But American tracks are different. So how much influence do you guys have back to Clement Ferrand and the and the development of of those tires to say, uh, guys, we've got Sebring, we've got Watkins Glen, we've got Road America. These tracks aren't the same lovely Formula One surfaces that you have in Europe. No, absolutely right. And I'm glad you mentioned that because for me, I'm, I'm fairly new to this role here in, in the marketing department, Michelin Motorsports. And I learned a heck of a lot being on a lot of calls with our folks from, from France about this new tire. And the, the N3 rear tire, we actually developed a little bit of a, a more robust construction because of that, because we not only have the tracks that produce um, a, a lot of load on these tires and a lot of uh, degradation p- potentially, but also our races are 15 minutes longer in North America than they are globally. Yeah. So we need to make sure we brought something that uh, was, was, you know, relative and could, could work in that environment and very happy with the way it turned out. As a matter of fact, um, we, we had a couple of folks say this is the first time that they've been to Watkins Glen in a while that they really didn't have to worry about the tires. And that's about the best compliment we could get. So we're very happy with that. 
ask you about this weekend and the shorter race in a moment. We've got a few questions coming in. Of course, you work with Champion on the project that, that Howden was, was working on as well. How far back di- did that go and what particular challenges do you have when you're starting at just over 9,000 feet and going up to 14,150-odd feet and there's potentially snow around? Yeah, I mean, we, we started talking to the folks at Champion, I want to say in November or December last year, really just starting to kind of figure out uh, what the what the needs were, and we were happy to be able to provide them the, the tires, and, it, and it, it worked out fantastic. I mean, this weekend we were watching so many different screens and so many different things going on because we had, you know, the IMSA weekend, we had Porsche Career Cup on site, we had Pikes Peak going on, but that's what makes it fun for us. So we're able to be in a lot of different places at once. But um, we were super proud of, of Romain and the group of Champion to be able to do what they did, and it's that's important to us as well because that's another proof point for our tires to be in that kind of element and be in that that extreme of an environment. Uh, the tires are slightly different with the compounding, a little bit of a softer tire, but um, we hope we were able to provide what we needed to that team. It seems like uh, the, the talent of the racer finished the rest of it. Yeah, it was all down to the engineering is what I've heard, H. Is that right? Uh, getting all that right? Yeah, uh, I think driver's the bigger influence. <laughs> I'm going to make sure we clip that out. 24 minutes and 31 yeah. <laughs> seconds in, because that's the first time I think I've heard. Definitely in the post, yeah. yeah. Absolutely right. What was it like? Got a couple of people asking uh, other questions on the stream. And by all means, dive in with questions for any of our guests. A couple of people asking what's it like to be back with, with Champion. There's a few faces there uh, that, that you'll have, have recognised. Mike Peters was, was back as well, of course. Does it remind you of the, of the old days? Livery's the same, at least. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, and it was, I think, champion racing has obviously been dormant for, what, nearly 12 years now. Um, In fact, I think it was, yeah, the last time I was out there with them, uh, 2008 with the IMSA Championship. Um, You know, and and people have moved on. I mean, a lot of the guys have um, moved over to the dealership. Um, But, you know, there was still a few familiar faces there. Um, And, you know, it it was great to be, great to be back with them again. Great to be doing something new and something knew that you know to all of us um so no it was good fun we always have good fun at champion i i I know that you and dave ward at progressive uh are doing all kinds of weird and wonderful uh projects all the time did it take much uh, persuading for you when the the phone call came to say all right i'm going to go and do this or was it something that you thought "Mm," like i did when i was asked to go there in 2018 it was like yes and I hadn't got any of the details. Is that the same sort of thing when you get something that is so totally different? I think it was about three seconds. The answer, the, the answer went straight in. Um, I think for most people in motorsport, um, Pikes Peak is on pretty much everyone's bucket list. Um, didn't think it would quite be so soon. Um, but, you know, when the offer came, um, and, you know, from Champion as well, you know, I, I owed... Uh, Dave Mirage quite a lot from the early days of my career so when Mitra and, and Kay contacted me it was yeah an absolute yes right from the get-go regardless of dates and whatever else was going on um, it was a case of yeah let's make this happen got to go and do it. Does it uh, does it get the the mind ticking over about going back and, and doing something on a more regular basis Hitch? Yeah, it might have done. It might have done. Um, I think it's always good when you do when you do something you know completely different. I mean, I did most of my career um, at Le Mans, but in through I mean, okay, mine started with hill climbing um, when I was born, pretty much with both my mum and my dad driving. 
Um, so that's where it kind of, yeah, I've got the taste, I suppose. Um, but whenever you throw something oddball in there, you know, like in the middle of my Le Mans career, I did a year of DTM when we were waiting for the diesels. Um, and you take a different approach to, to everything. You know, I think when you're doing the same series or the same type of racing for too long, um, you kind of get blinkered uh, and stuck in a certain way of thinking. And it takes these oddball um, challenges to kind of refresh everything and, and, you know, relight all the sparks. And I think, you know, that's the same when I did DTM from Le Mans and the same now with, you know, Pikes Peak. It's just completely different, um, different perspective. And, uh, yeah, maybe I've been away from uh, racing for, for too long. And, um, yeah, we'll see. Well, you did a bit of racing yourself, which we'll ask about <laughs> in, a, in a wee while. Um, Mark, Michael, Pikes Peak, you know it, of course. How do you fancy trying to set a record for a front-wheel drive and taking one of the, the Hyundai N series cars up, maybe even one of the production cars? Or is that... As a racing driver, is that something that you think, I I am not sure? Mark, what about you? Um, well, I don't know. I've been pretty excited about it since we started this chat, to be honest with you. I think <laughs> it would be awesome. Um, it's definitely on the bucket list, um, and I've, I've heard a lot about it. I've never been. It's uh, oh. something I would absolutely love to do. And, you know, I think Hyundai has uh, an N car for us to do that, I, I bet. So, um, absolutely. I would love to see that happen at some point. Are you going to get the end corner in, in the US? Because that's just coming online here in Europe and a small capacity SUV. There is a production car record for that, which could be very interesting. Yes, the uh, Kona N actually uh, made its first U.S. public display here at Watkins Glen. Um, So we're super excited, actually. Spent some time sitting in it, had to fire it up, couldn't drive it yet, which was probably the hardest thing to sit in it at a racetrack when it's a purpose-built N uh, N car. But uh, no, very excited for Kona N and uh, and obviously Elantra N uh, in the coming months as well. Uh, What do you think, Michael? Up the hill? 14,000 feet, snow at the top, no barriers on some of it, uh, and big drops. Are you, are you okay with heights? That's the first thing I've got to ask you. Yeah, not not super good with heights. Um, <laughs> maybe that's the biggest <laughs> issue there. Uh, I'd have to talk to me with all you guys just to get some more data to really wrap my head around it. But uh, as a fan, <laughs> I love Pike Speak. And as a driver, I'd have to like yeah talk to you guys first to really get all the, the info to, to really send it out the top of the hill because I think that's – that's what the scariest, you know, besides the trees is just like you could fall off the top, you know, that's kind of, kind of a big deal. So It's an extraordinary thing because once you get above about 12,000 feet, there are no trees because they can't live up there. So once you've gone through Glen Cove and the next couple of corners and into the W's up there, it's like another planet. It's like you've landed yeah. on another planet. And you can, it's, as I said to H, it's actually worse coming down because as you're coming down, there's one spot in particular that you look out and you're staying down in Colorado Springs, which is way, 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 way down there. Sort of getting on for seven and a half, eight thousand feet down. And it looks like a little Lego town. And it looks like as you're coming down that there's nothing to stop you from bouncing all the way down there. Trust me, I've never had two feet harder on a single automatic car brake pedal in yeah. my whole life. Hand on the e-brake as well, just in case. And because I was petrified. I, I really was. Uh, let's talk, guys, let's talk about this weekend. And, and we'll start with, with you two. Um, back to whatever normal is, but back to normal times in the uh, in the Michelin Pilot Challenge, but a Thursday and a Friday event. So that's a little bit different. Is that going to affect how you guys prepare? 
Um, you know, maybe a little bit. Um, what may be more of a factor uh, could be the weather this week. Uh, there's looks like a lot of rain coming, um, and I, I welcome it. Uh, the surface at Watkins Glen is pretty abrasive. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it'll be a lot of fun, and it'll just change up the whole, maybe level out or change up the playing field a little bit. Um, I, I think the Elantra end will, will be really good uh, in the wet. Uh, we had a little bit of time in uh, some wet weather testing, uh, I guess back in May at Mid-Ohio, uh, so we have a little bit of experience there as well. So, yeah, definitely it's a compressed weekend. Uh, we don't get much track time. We just get our single practice uh, qualify and then straight into the race. Mm. Um, and so there, there isn't a whole lot of time for everyone to figure out uh, changing conditions. And I think that might play into our, uh, into our favor. The good news is, though, Michael, is, is that you've got the data from the weekend just passed. Now, all right, it'll be cooler. It might be a bit wetter. But it does mean you can't afford to waste any of that practice time. You, you don't really want any niggly little problems this week. Yeah, of course. Um, I think our Brian Hurd All Sports team is just really confident in, in our Hyundai race cars. I mean, even if we don't have that much track time, or even if we have a lot, and then things look un, you know to be unexpected next weekend, we were always kind of like solid and, and really trusting you know the Elantra end for for Mark, and then the Veloster and a TCR for myself. So I think it's kind of like just game on. Whatever we have at the weekend, we'll make it happen and. And our cars are always kind of off the trailer in a really good window. That's shout out to Brian Hurd Autosport and HMSG in Germany for like, you know, giving us a product that is pretty good right off the truck. I was going to ask you that. So I'll follow up. What's it like working for Brian Hurd at Autosport? You know, they say that organizations take their personality from the guy whose name's above the door, whether it's Penske or Chip Ganassi or Brian Hurt at Autosport, he's been around, he's been a racer at the highest level. Do you think that helps? And do you think that makes a difference, Michael, when you're dealing with someone like that, when he's got his own team? I, th- I think the massive amount of the experience does help. Um, he's, he's so professional, you know, from like the look of the team, right? We want to be uh, showing like we're, we're here, you know, in a good presence, you know, like all the banners everywhere, all the activation. And then from like the team organization standpoint, I mean, he's been with IndyCar, level teams, uh, I'm sure endurance racing teams as well. And, and then from um, like the racer perspective, he's, he's so experienced and it's cool just to, to hear kind of his thoughts on some things and we can even talk to him as drivers. Right. And um, I think it, it massively helps. And he's really with the help of Hyundai, uh, you know, brought a really great package to the IMSA Michelin pilot challenge. Pilot. And this race this weekend, Mark is effectively the replacement. We, we should have been up at Canadian time Autosport park, which is, kind of your neck of the woods. Uh, people well, might have just noticed the slight little Canadian twang. Very sorry not to be there for, for Ron Fellows, for the Fidanis and everyone else because we know what a great show they, they normally put on. Absolutely. I mean, that's such a wonderful track and it, it is my home track and it's just so fast and flowy. It's so unique. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a track that uh, was really good for us in the past and to, to not be there for a couple of years uh, is tough. Um, and they've done a lot of work there. I mean, they've been constantly, you know, improving the circuit and, uh, you know, it's, it's really on point and it was a shame we weren't able to go this year, uh, but to do two at Watkins Glen is great. And I, I know we'll be back uh, up in Canada next year for, uh, for a race and we'll just look forward to that. And, uh, you know, we know that it'll be, uh, it'll be great for our cars. 
Heading into the last 25 minutes here of uh, Inside Track, Haggerty uh, with me, John Hindoff, and my guests, Tom Sullivan from Michelin, Howden Haynes from Progressive and Champion this weekend, and from Hyundai and Brian Hurt at Autosport, Mark Wilkins and Michael Lewis. Keep the questions coming in. We'll get through as, as many as we can. Uh, talking about the weather, Tom, as, as Michael was, he did, he did mention the R word there. Um, logistically, does that throw a wee bit of a curveball to you? Presumably, you have to bring uh, a few more uh, rain tyres to service everybody if the if the forecast, as it is this weekend, is for, or this week, should I say, Thursday, Friday, is for rain on both days. Yeah, we had a trailer full of uh, rain tyres for the first event that stayed on the truck, so we should have ample supply. We may end up bringing another truck up if the forecast holds in, in that manner, but I know for the teams and the, you know, the, the, the crews and engineers, I know what the challenging time is, is if it's all raining, we know what the decision is. If it's all dry, we know what the decision is. It's that middle ground, right? If it starts to, to rain and then it's only a light mist, but then the track starts to dry out, when do you change back over to the slicks? And I, I've always intrigued by that. And I know each different characteristic of tire has, has a prime performance, but what we try to do is make sure that that wet tire works a little bit as the track starts drying and it doesn't have a, as much of, a, of an impact immediately so that they can run it for a little bit longer. So if tire strategy comes into this next race for that reason, it is kind of interesting for us yeah. to see where the teams go. Logistically, when do you have to make that decision and how, when you've got a huge amount of cars to service just in the IMSA paddock, aside from everything else you're doing in the North American region, um, how how many quote-unquote spares do you have? Uh, and where are they situated around the country? Where How would you have to call on those? So that's, that's a great question. And it's it's sort of those unsung heroes that are in our, uh, our motor sphere out. Um, what does the weather look like? Where are the tires? Are they ready to go? Um, and what they're probably doing today, they're probably loading up a tractor trailer full of, of wets um, yeah. just in case we need to get going and jump on the road and, and head up several hours up to, to Watkins Glen. We will. But they'll be uh, they'll be in the Greenville, South Carolina area. So, um, you know, just having folks on call. But, you know, typically what we do is, is we bring a certain amount of tires and we usually have about an 80 to 85 percent consumption. So we do have a little bit of a buffer on there in case things do change and we're ready for that. The crossover point H between uh, tyres, whether it's uh, uh, slicks to uh, wets to intermediates or more often to to slicks, that's the sort of thing that you've had to deal with in the the past. Most famously, of course, chronicled in Truth in Twenty Four when you're with the the Audi team and trying to convince your drivers that the the teams. Uh, the team's choice had, had been the right one. What what factors are, are you looking at at that point? Is it purely on lap time or does it have to be give and take and, and information that you're gaining? I think, you know, uh, you use absolutely everything at your disposal. I mean, on a on a track like Le Mans back in the, you know, the days that you're talking about, um, for that particular time, I used the entire grid's worth of onboard cameras um, so I was steering the driver through each corner based on the conditions of a car I'd picked in front. So, you know, if we were happened to be on the wrong tire or the wrong tire for that particular corner, because at Le Mans you can get, you know, dry at one half and wet at the other. Um, so, you know, I was trying to give them like a rain or, or wetness level um, for each corner as they, as they approached it. Um, obviously, yeah, we were using our own weather radar. Um, you're using, you know, like you say, temperatures. 
general knowledge about the circuit. You know, things like the circuit like Spa is um, very much an intermediate um, circuit because of the kind of runoff area they've got. So you don't really get, you get bit, you get rivers in a couple of places, but the drainage is pretty good, um, which is different to a circuit, you know, like Silverstone, um, which is very flat, but then has a completely different asphalt makeup. Um, and then there's just the kind of um, sheer ballsiness of your driver, your engineer, you know, um it's one of those things i mean i love those kind of conditions because that's where you you make or break it um and it's that kind of he who does it first um will probably prosper yeah and that doesn't matter whether you know whether it's going to you know one way or the other um it's a case of just getting that first you know if you're following you're not gonna you're not gonna win it no indeed Uh, you must look back now on that uh, exchange between you and Tom Christensen that was beautifully documented in Truth in 24. Yeah, that was the toned down version that went on air, but yeah, it was a <laughs> little different in reality. Ultimately, do you have the final say? Does the driver have the final say, or does that depend on the personalities involved? As you say, we heard the toned down version, and you were. Even in the torn down version, you were pretty insistent, and Tom was pretty insistent from his side of things. Um, yeah, I mean, I think. To me, it's it's Le Mans is different in that respect because the circuit is so big. Um, there's a lot of different information, you know, coming through, and the driver is experiencing one thing, but we might know something else from spotters around the circuit, from our weather radar or whatever else that contradicts that. And that's the kind of that's what we had in in that instance. Um, and it, it was a case of we knew what was coming, uh, not what was with us. You know, so you've had instances before where we've changed. It was being perfectly sunny and dry and the car happened to be pitting at at a certain time, which was before the rain came and you put it out on wet. And at that point, you have a pretty um, vocal driver on your hands. Um, And that's where he's just got to um, or he or she have got to just, you know, put their faith in, in the information that we have to hand. Yeah. Um, so I think, it, you know, it does depend on a shorter track. You're not going to get that. You're probably going to take more more notice of what the driver's telling you. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, we've missed you at the track for a few years, but you, you, haven't, you haven't been dormant. Uh, you and Dave Ward, progressive. You've been on a lot of engineering, uh, a lot of engineering projects. Uh, pretty much everybody uses your pressurised drinks systems in endurance racing. Uh, what's your next project, H? We'll have to wait and see. Oh, it's I hate um, it when you do that. It's that kind of. It's a little bit silly season at the minute, isn't it? So um, yeah, we're 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 working on a lot of things, um, hoping that some of them um, transpire, and that might bring us back into the frame again. Are you uh, alluding? Still, still early days. Are you alluding possibly to LMDH and the 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 changes in in sports car racing there? It would certainly be very interesting. Oh, very good. Before that, you're going racing, though, because you and Dave do like a bit of a, a drive as well. Uh, and what super competitive, highly uh, charged, highly powered performance uh, racing machine will you be racing at the weekend? Well, we're going from, obviously, Pikes Peak in a you know champion Porsche GT2 RS club sport down to um, a Citroen C1 at uh, Snetterton. Brilliant. It's it's a very competitive it's a very competitive series that actually I know you've done the twenty four hours as well. Uh, there's a, there's a record to be set for Citroen C one up up Pikes Peak as well. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I don't think it would make it. 
I think we would struggle some. I think I think the starter motor in the in the GT2 RS has probably got more torque than the uh, than the C1. So it'd be. Um, I don't think the event's long enough. Yeah, we would need a calendar rather than a stopwatch. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Okay, yeah. okay, fair. Now you're going to start people's uh, uh, minds buzzing about potential next uh, projects as well. I'll, I'll dip back to to Mark and Michael if if I may, uh, and go back to this weekend uh, at IMSA. Uh, wet or dry? You've said, Mark, that you wouldn't mind it wet because that little longer wheelbase on the uh, Elantra. But presumably, um, you would like it to be one or the other, or do you not mind if it's kind of those trans? transition uh, conditions? No, that's a great question because actually when Michael and I were partnered together in 2019 at Watkins Glen, uh, we had that exact scenario play out uh, in the Vloster uh, where it was near the end of the race. We were up front for a lot of it and it rained and it rained fiercely, but not for very long. And then the sun came out really quickly thereafter. Um, and we maybe were a little too conservative. We, we pitted for rains, which uh, was a great decision for about five laps. Uh, but then that uh, when the track dried up really, really quickly, uh, we, were, we were on our back foot and we lost the race uh, with, a, I think, a lap or two to go. Uh, we just couldn't run the time on the rains. Um, but the track was basically completely dry and we know how abrasive it is. So it was one of those uh, learning experiences that we may have to remember uh, when, we, when we get back to it this week. Uh, explain uh, how much grip you can get, Michael, when it's light rain on a hot, slick tyre. Because obviously, the grooves in the tyres, a common misconception, the grooves in the tyres don't actually give you grip. They're there to move water and do nothing else. That's why you have them in your, your road car. It's the rubber in between. So if you have a slick tyre, you've got the most rubber on the road. But clearly, if there's water underneath it, you're sitting on the top and aquaplaning or hydra, hydroplaning. But before the track gets very wet, do you still get good grip from a hot slick? Yeah, no, you raise a great point, and um, it depends on you know how quickly it starts raining. I mean, if it's slowly starting, maybe for a few laps it's okay. And uh, if you're kind of a newer driver, um, with not much experience, you'll see a lot of you know uh, sprinkles on the windshield, and I uh, think you have to pit for rains right now. And um, it, actually, the track is fine as long as you keep going hard and keep the pressures up and mm. the tire temp up. So it depends on how much rain is coming down. But yeah, if it's light for a few laps, it's fine. And maybe you can cycle around and keep going on slicks, right? And uh, I love hearing you know, stories from H and even Tom about Pike Speak and all this because that's, that's a lot of motorsport. Is you see the car on track, that's fine. But hearing everyone's perspective and then you know crunching all that data and then making the decisions to stay on track or change tires is the really exciting part. That if you're not in the car, if you're a co-driver, you're Loving to see that, but um, yeah, we'll see what it's going to be like. But I think if you can stay on slicks, uh, for example, it's not too bad. These are two-hour races. They seem long, but they're actually kind of short, too, and you almost just want to keep cycling around. It depends on the situation. Just long enough, though, to be honest, Mark, to, to get a bit of strategy in. That's what I like about the Michelin Pilot Challenge. A couple of hours. People say it's not a real endurance race, but it has elements of an endurance race because the stint lengths don't exactly fit into the two-hour window. So the guys on the wall have got to do a bit of work as well, not just you guys behind the wheel. Yeah, absolutely. And we're really fortunate to be working with David Brown, um, our engineer. And, you know, he's just a wealth of knowledge. And, and you know, I've been in this uh, a long time, but I'm learning a lot from him. Um, 
and yeah, absolutely, you're right. Uh, there, there's strategy involved, and you know, given how the start of our season's gone, I think we need to start to take maybe a little bit more risk uh, and push to try to get back up there in the championship. And you know, this uh, this weekend is uh, these two weekends are a big percentage of our season. So uh, the first one, we we left a little bit there, and and we need to get that back here at the end of this week, and then into Lime Rock. So. Uh, we'll be we'll be leaning hard on that strategy to try to make up a bit, and uh, I'm confident in our pace, uh, wet or dry. Yeah, and the Lime Rock is a GT only weekend, isn't it? So you guys get to be you know front and and centre. Looks like we're going to have fans there, uh, 16th and 17th of July. From memory, I really should have written that down somewhere uh, for the Northeast uh, Grand Prix. Great to have fans back at the track. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's fantastic. It just feels much more more normal, um, like it used to be. So much enthusiasm. It really drives us as drivers to, you know, push even harder. And, it, you know, it's just that feeling that the fans give you. Uh, Lime Rock will have, you know, always has great fans. So we're excited to see them as well. And actually, Michael, um, I remember, uh, I think you almost got the outright pull there in the Veloster a few yes. years ago. Yes, because, because that, I mean, and we were talking about how quick the Porsche Cup cars now, but in that certainly that first twisty sector at Lime Rock Park, the king of, king of qualifying here, Michael Lewis, um, the, the car develops quite a lot of downforce just from the bodywork and the aero, and you were you were quicker than all the GT4s through that that first sector. Yeah, it, it was a pretty crazy experience in 2019 to almost get the overall pull in a TCR, you know, Hyundai Veloster N compared to GT4 Mercedes, BMWs, and whatever else, Aston Martins and Camaros. And I remember um, I did the lap and I came in and I was like, you know, how was that? The team was like, yeah, you're on pole. And um, I guess we're on overall pole as well. And um, or at the time, because TCR goes first, G- yeah. GS, which is GT4, went out. And I'm like, wow, I wonder how this time will hold up just out of curiosity. I mean, you know, it's kind of cool if a smaller horsepower car can uh, qualify the big guys. And uh, apparently it went all the way down to the last few minutes before qualifying. And the guy that was on the GD4 pole, who was second overall at the time, actually went back on on used tires. He's like, I can't let this Hyundai TCR beat me. Like, I have to. (laughs) Do the poll, and he like barely got us by like a hundred or something. I, I, rem- it was to, I remember to- it well. It was it was it was very it was very very exciting. And in fairness, Mark, IMSA turned down the TCRs a little bit from the performance levels that we see over here in Europe at places like the Nurburgring and uh, and some of the other endurance, the uh, the Creventic endurance races as well. Yeah, you know, I think it just speaks volumes to this TCR class. I mean, they're just really, really great, fun cars to drive. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, that's sort of the the general message about N and the N brand in general. It's just all about fun um, and getting out there and, and finding the limit. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. And IMSA, you know, we, we could turn it up. We would, we'd love to turn it up because the cars are so capable. We, we yeah. just, we always want to go fast. So, um, you know, it's, uh, you're, you're right. It's there, there's, there's more on the table there in terms of performance, but uh, you know, we're, we're right on the heels of the GT4s all the time, which is, uh, which is pretty exciting. I just want to bounce back to to Tom from Michelin for a moment because we mentioned CTMP, Ron Fellows, uh, and all the great work that's been done over there. Uh, you guys are are going to be involved in in Canada this year, even though IMSA's not going across the border. We are absolutely. So um, we're really happy about being able to be the official tire of IMSA and the Porsche Carrera Cup. But we've also worked really closely with uh, Chris By at Fell 
and uh, Ron Fellows as they developed the new sports car championship in Canada. And so we're the uh, official tire for both uh, the GT TC Canada uh, series as well as the Radical series. So they had a little start and stop this year. We were supposed to launch in, in May and that got backtracked. But a couple of weeks ago, they uh, they landed on track and had a really good entry numbers there for their first race. And they'll be back out there in July. So, Mark, if you're not too busy, maybe you can race at CTMP again. But I'm sure you got a lot of other things going on. But there's a lot of enthusiasm around there. We, we know that the, the car culture and the racing culture up there in Canada is there. And, and these folks, Ron, has, has been very uh, adamant about trying to get that that energy back up. So um, we hope that this series will do that. So we're really happy to be involved. In yeah, well well done for that because getting the business of racing going back, not just the sport of racing, but getting the business of racing back up and, and running is really important for, for some of the uh, the smaller smaller teams as well. Uh, Howden Haynes, uh, the final question for you. A few people uh, asking uh, various things about you about you and uh, and your, your career, your star-studded career. I remember doing the interview with you we were in Brazil weren't we at the end of the of the season when you decided that you were going to step step away as you look back now with the benefit of a few years rather than just the few weeks since you'd made that decision what are you most proud about in your career um oh that's a difficult one You've had a lot of highlights, in fairness, Itch. You've had a lot of success. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's why it was kind of easy to step back when I did. You know, I'd kind of ticked all the boxes that um, I needed to tick. You know, the Le Mans wins, the World Championships, getting up to technical director. Um, I don't know. I, I think probably the 2008. I mean, it has to be. That was kind of a, um, a peak for all of us, you know, being so far behind, um, you know, three seconds a lap slower making, you know, the team work, the drivers, pulling out all the stops. And mm. I think that was probably, you know, the best kind of, a, that was certainly the best achievement. Um, and, you know, since then it's, you know, we've, we've been very different in, in what we've done, you know, literally completely stepped away from racing. Same as champion, you know, same as champion motorsport as well. You know, they completely retired um, from the scene. Um, but, you know, it was been, it's been, Good to kind of, I think all of us, it's been good for all of us to uh, get back into that kind of competitive um, arena, let's say, and uh, relight a few fires, I think. I, I know, although you've stepped away with Progressive and doing other other stuff, um, I know that you've kept an eye on, on what's going. I know because you send me messages asking when we're going to be on the air so that you can listen in when you're working in your garage and, and stuff like that. You've done a couple of nice personal projects with, with some cars that you've restored for yourself. But as you look at the sports car scene now, H, um, mm-hmm. as, as a fan, as well as somebody who's been involved in it, how do you think it looks at the moment as the North American version, the European stroke WAC version, the global look <clears throat> of endurance racing? Uh, I mean, yeah, it was, you know, people like Ralph Yutner and myself, you know, years ago, we were trying to get that kind of common rule set um, to, to kind of bring uh, IMSA and, and, and um, Le Mans together. Um, obviously, it's taken a while for that to happen. It now has for different reasons, but it doesn't matter. Um, and I think it's now an exciting time in the whole of sports cars. I mean, I think you can see, with certainly with the LMDH, that, you know, like back in, in when I kind of started in the early 2000s, 
Um, there you could have the works teams um, and customer teams competing on, on a level playing field. Like champion. Um, exactly, like champion, like Velox, like, you know, all the other guys. And I think we're kind of almost, I know the, the cars are different, they're, you know, but they're more spec and everything else. But I think now you could see, you know, a customer team taking it to the works guys. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what we're all interested in now. Um, you know, and it's a case of yeah, getting some cars out of these manufacturers and um, making it happen. I like I like your your thoughts. You look at the lap times as well. By the way, if you don't uh, believe how good these DPIs are right now at the moment, the sharp end of the the IMSA field. Um, look at the qualifying times at places like Watkins Glen, certainly CTMP, against all right a race pace of of some of the turbo era even the diesels in the in the ELMS when they were turned up to 1200 horsepower for goodness sake they were quicker of course they were but in race pace they're they're barely a second off now H these DPIs are seriously quick motor cars yeah I mean you know it's been quite a while now uh, technology's moved on um, tyre technology's been a big influence in that you know that's changed you know a huge amount over you know just a span of, of, of my career mm. Um, but, you know, I think it, it's going to be an exciting time. There's a lot of manufacturers coming back. Um, there'll be yeah, a lot of customer teams out there that will help bring all the numbers back to racing. Obviously, it's, you know, with the last couple of years, uh, well, actually, since almost you could say the financial crisis, not just COVID, that's had a big knock-on effect on um, world motorsport. And hopefully, you know, with what IMSA and the ACO have, have you know, put together, um, it's certainly very exciting. Uh- I'll head back to the Hyundai, Brian Hunter, Autosport guys, Mark Wilkinson and Michael Lewis. Uh, Mark, what's it like? H knows all about working for manufacturers and being part of a manufacturer operation. Hyundai have been very, very active in North America. And when we could, it was great to see how the car corrals that when I first started coming to IMSA races in the 1990s were... Corvette, yeah, absolutely. Some Fords, one or two other manufacturers, maybe a, a Ferrari here and, and there. It's been great to see what Hyundai have done. They've really got behind this ra- this racing idea for the, the, the N brand. What's it like working with a brand like Hyundai, who, who haven't got a huge history, but are very active in what they do in, in, uh, in supporting it? You know, it's, it's just incredibly exciting. I mean, there's just not many uh, companies or, or brands out there that are sort of getting into performance. And, you know, Hyundai's getting in in a, in a massive way with N-Brand. Uh, you know, we have super loyal owners and fans of the motorsport program, our Veloster N owners. You know, we engage with them all of the time through social media and we see them lapping and tracking their cars. And we're so excited about that because that's what it's all about. So it's it's just a really you know, fun brand to be a part of and watch it grow on the performance side. And, you know, that's what we need. We, we need fun, engaging cars. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. Um, and that's what Hyundai is delivering. And, you know, with more end product coming out for, for you know, a broader market, um, that's just going to be incredibly exciting. I think we're going to see that performance envelope continue to increase uh, on the road car side. And, you know, I think Elantra N actually comes with Michelin uh, Pilot Sport 4S tires, which is something we're really excited about because we can just know how much that elevates the performance level, um, you know, on top of all the improvements to to these new cars as they come out. So just an incredibly exciting company to, to work with and, and to, you know, achieve some great results. And, and it's been 
you know, Michael and I with the championship and last year was a wonderful year as well. It's been just a really winning formula for us and, and we hope to keep that going. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Well, guys, thank you very much. I hope your luck turns, Mark, at, at the weekend and, or on Friday at least and, and you can get a result for that lovely new Elantra. Michael, well done for the weekend and for the Michelin mortis, uh, moment uh, of the race. Pass our best on to the rest of Brian Hurt at Autosport. Uh, to Tom Sullivan from Michelin Motorsport, thank you for all you do for us at IMSA Radio and for all you do within the paddock. Keep up the, the great work. And Howden, it's been far too long since I've seen you, friend. Uh, keep up the good work and have a great race uh, at the weekend I might not be working at the weekend so I might have a tinker across if the weather's decent I might get the motorcycle out and, and come and shout at you from the bank side <laughs> down there best to Dave and the, and the family as well and uh, thanks for being with us there you go ladies and gentlemen that was the Watkins Glen sale and six hours version of Haggerty Inside Track we'll have another one coming up after the next big in endurance race keep on the Haggerty uh, social pages and on the community pages for all the details thanks very much to Matt Lewis who ha- as ever has been behind the scenes and made sure that this has worked perfectly well and of course to yourselves for joining us and for submitting the questions I'm John Hindoff thanks for being with us enjoy this week and don't forget we're back with IMSA Thursday and Friday on IMSAradio.com see you then bye bye <laughs>